This is 77 WABC Sports. Here's Mike Didino. All right, everybody. How is it going? We are back. My name is Mike Didino. I'm the host. I'm with my quasi co-host, Phil Dixon. Phil, how are you? Good. What does that mean? You're my quasi. I mean, seemingly, apparently, but not really. Okay. Well, I'll take it. Well, regardless, here we are. We're back after a pretty long hiatus of not really getting to record. I had some off-the-field issues that I had to deal with, but I am back moving forward. So everybody knows every Friday at 2 p.m., our podcast will be released. So this is the first annual Friday podcast. Phil? First annual Friday. Annual means once a year. First. Weekly. Weekly. Yeah. Nice rollout. What's going on, Mike? Phil, how are you? I'm, I've been better, but here I am. So, just so everybody knows, the podcast is... We're kind of going with the flow right now. We don't have exactly a plan of how every single episode will go. Sometimes we'll have guests. Sometimes we'll be doing fantasy football. Sometimes we'll be doing basketball. Sometimes we'll be doing hockey. My plan right now is to bring somebody on every single week and talk about their expertise. So I have Phil, who is my NBA guy. So, that being said, Phil, let's talk about the NBA. All right, let's do it. We're 25% through the season right now. Yeah. Already. That's pretty good. It's flying by, no? A little bit more, actually. I, like, I'm looking now. Some teams have played 26 games already, which is like weird. Like We're already more than a quarter way through the season. All right, so I'm, gonna, I'm somebody that is a basketball fan, but I have not watched much basketball this season. Football takes priority for me. After football season, I'll get back into basketball. But I have not watched much basketball at all. So I'm going to ask you yeah. a few questions for anybody out there. In my shoes, that has not watched much basketball and, and is looking to pick up some knowledge here. So you're one of those guys that like the NBA season starts on Christmas. Pretty much, yes. NBA okay. season starts on Christmas or whenever football ends, end of January, yeah. even as well. Well, are you somebody that finds regular season of the NBA entertaining? I or meaningful. Yeah, I watch four to six hours of it every single day. What about so meaningful? Do you find it? Yeah, meaningful? It, it matters. Does sure, it for sure? Though? It does. Okay, who has been? The number one team in the NBA this season. It's not even close. It's not even close this year. I, it's not even like an argument. It's by far, far and away, the Boston Celtics. And why are they better now? How have they improved from last year? Well, first off, it, it's weird because they, they came into the season. I was wrong about them, right? I thought in the regular season they were going to take a dip, uh, especially because Robert Williams has not played a game yet. He's their anchor. He's their star center. And uh, the whole coaching mishap, you know. they Now they have Joe Mazzula as their head coach, as their interim head coach with uh, – Ime Udoka out. At this point, they honestly might as well scrap Ime for good because it's clearly working out very well with, with Missoula there. He's the youngest head coach in the league, right? Him and, him and Will Hardy in Utah. 34? Yeah, they're 35 years old. Uh, yeah, they're, actually, they're both 34 years old, uh, which is weird because Al Horford, his player is older than him. Al Horford's 37. Now, how does that work, you think, if you're Horford? You've still... you got to respect the guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's earned his stripes. And where did he come from before this? He was the he was an assistant coach. He was over assistant there. coach. Yeah. So the Celtics are the best team in the league. No questions it's asked. It's not even close. I mean, right now they're twenty one and five. Uh, they're on pace to win seventy games. Their offense is the best in NBA history. And this is a team that came into the season that was was built on their defense. Last year they had one of the better defenses in the league. Right now their defense is fine, uh, but their their offense is the the you know the hammer that's that's running that machine. Best def- best offense in the NBA by a large margin. I mean, like league average, they're eight points above league average, which is historically good. That's one of the best, relative to to their era, one of the best offensive teams ever right now. So is Jason Tatum the front runner for MVP? I don't think so. He's not. No, I don't so think who is right now. If the season ended today, who do you think would oh, win MVP? Geez. That's it's. There's like seven guys that you could like honestly make a legitimate argument for. Right? I could list them out: Stephen Curry, Nikola Jokic, uh, Jason Tatum is one of them, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic. 
and probably Kevin Durant. And there's a you know a tier below that with like guys like Joel Embiid and um, Anthony Davis. I guess now the, the Lakers are starting to come together, but those like six guys. Giannis, I forgot Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course. Uh, but right now, the tier that, that top tier I think is between three or four guys. I think it's between Steph, Luka, Jokic, and Jason Tatum. And all of them have an MVP outside of Tatum. There, yes. But no, Luka doesn't have an MVP. Luka does not have an MVP. But it, right. it, it, like, it's been a long time coming for him. And he, this is a guy who's in his fifth year in the NBA. And it, it already feels like he should have one by now because he's that damn good. But uh, if, if the season ended right now, I mean, I think I'm kind of leaning towards Stephen Curry. Really? And the Warriors have not played well this season. No. What do you think that is? Uh, well, they're, they have the worst bench in the NBA. Their bench is like, the minute Steph Curry c- gets off the floor, it's horrible. I mean, uh, the worst. The worst offense in the NBA right now is the Charlotte Hornets, 107 offensive rating. When Steph is off the floor— What's it, the average offensive rating? Uh, now, it's 112 in the range, almost 113, so it's, it's relatively high. But, yeah, so league average is 112, the lowest in the NBA. The, the Charlotte Hornets, 107. When Steph Curry is off the floor, they have a 102 offensive rating. They cannot score the ball it, at all. You know, they're, they're playing a different sport pretty much out there. They're five points below the worst in the entire league. When Steph Curry's on the floor, that jumps up to a 122. 20-point difference in offensive rating. You know, he's the engine of the offense he has been for years now and years now and years now. He's one of the best offensive players ever. This is not an argument. He might be the best offensive player ever. But uh, he's such an engine for that offense, and that team is so bad with him off the floor. You know, the, the net rating swing, they're 20 points better per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. First one he's off. It's, it's, you know, monstrous, the numbers he's putting up. You mentioned their bench. James Wiseman was the third pick. I believe the second or the second or the third pick in second. the Second. Second pick in the and he's in the G League now, right? Oh, man. Is he a colossal bust? Now, I saw that he was sent down there because he wasn't getting many minutes. But then you say their bench isn't good as It's why? horrible. Oh, well, it, it's funny because even in the G League, James Wiseman's numbers are not impressive. And it, it's funny because like, he's, he's... he was drafted over LaMelo, That's correct? That's kind of where you where busts are built, right? A lot of times you remember busts because of who came after them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Sam Bowie wouldn't be remembered as, as one of the biggest busts in NBA history if Michael Jordan wasn't the guy after him. Greg Oden wouldn't be, you know, obviously you're number one overall pick and you, and you play 80 games in your first four seasons. You're, it doesn't look good, but the fact that Kevin Durant came right after you, it hurts even more. Those are the ones that hurt really, really bad. And looking at, you know, the, the Warriors won a championship last year without LaMelo. Could you imagine how much they could have extended this window if they did draft LaMelo? And they didn't draft him, obviously, because they had the guard strength. And, and they had the guard strength. They did this kind of the same thing uh, a year ago, too, when they drafted Kuminga. You see who came after him. One pick after him was Franz Wagner. And Franz Wagner might be the best player in that draft. It's funny you say that because I was posting on our uh, WABC page the other day, biggest bust over the last 10 years, and I got a lot of flack on posting Mitch Trubisky as a bust. And Mitch Trubisky was drafted over Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's where it hurts. Yeah. That's a bust. I don't care what you do. I, guess, I don't yeah. care what you do in your career. You're a bust. It hurts. It does bust. hurt. It does hurt when, when the player, the, you know, your comparison right after you just completely shrieks your entire career. I mean, Trubisky, he's a guy who had an extended career. It's not like he played two seasons. He's not a, oh, a Johnny he's football. He's not had an extended career. He, he's he's not, I got 54 starts in his career, which you... I mean, over now four or five seasons. He's, he's still on a back- team now. He's a backup now. He was a backup last year. Yeah. He's been on three teams in three seasons. That's a bust to me. But we're going to stick with NBA for about five, ten more minutes. And now I'm going to get into some quick fantasy notes because that's my bread and butter. But since you're a basketball expert, we'll, we'll stick with basketball. Who's been the biggest surprise team thus far? Well, if you're talking about surprises in a good way, uh, one team that's definitely stood out is the Indiana Pacers. 
This is a team that I projected to be the worst in the NBA, second worst in the NBA, worst in the Eastern Conference. I thought they were going to win somewhere in the ballpark of 21 games. We're, what we say, a quarter through the season. They have 13 wins already. You know, they're one game above 500, which isn't anything to boast about. But when you're a team that's supposed to be tanking and you're 13 and 12, you know, this is a, this is a team again. I thought they're going to win 21 games all year, and a quarter through the way, a quarter way through the season, they've won. You know, more than half that. And why do you think they've had success? Well, obviously, Halliburton's played Hal- good for them. Halliburton's been fantastic. And then that was a trade. They acquired him for Sabonis last year. Yeah, that's one of those trades that people now are saying looks like a win-win for both sides. Sabonis has played well, correct? Sabonis, the Kings have played pretty that, well. That's another year. team you could throw in as the biggest surprise. The Kings are, are good. Like, they're not, you know, average as they always are. They're actually a good team. Right now, they are, what are they? They're, uh, they're fifth in the Western Conference uh, 13 and 10 on the year, which, and you know, they're often, they're one of, one of the most fun teams in the NBA. But back to the Pacers, Halliburton has been fantastic. He's taking play, play making to the next level. I said before the season started, I said, or actually, I said la- at the end of last season, I said some, I don't know when, but at some point, Halliburton is going to lead the lead in assists. And it's as soon as this season. He's far and away the, the number one in the league in assists right now per game. Uh, and they're, they're building something al- alongside with the guys that you didn't really expect to be all that good, too. Miles Turner has had a fantastic uh, season so far. He was in a lot of trade talks. He well. still is in a lot of trade talks. That's why him and Buddy Heald, since they've gotten there, they've been tied to trade talks. Uh, and especially with the Lakers, considering that was the team that they were tied to before. Uh, Buddy Heald was tied to that, that team a long time ago before when they traded for Westbrook. It was supposed to be the Buddy Heald trade, but... Both those teams, both those guys have been traded, uh, linked to the Lakers in trade talks, and both the guys have been fine. I mean, uh, Buddy Hill's been fine, but Miles Turner's been great. I mean, he's probably the best rim protector in the NBA this season so far. The guy is a monster in the paint offensively, too. He's been fantastic. Their bench, their rookies, Andrew Nemhard, he came kind of in out of nowhere, being like a top guy. He had a game winner. He had a 30-10 and 10 game in Halliburton's absence. Uh, Benedict Matherin is a top two rookie at the very least this season. You can argue number one. And he's probably the front runner for six man of the year too. As a rookie, which is insane. Only one guy's ever done that before, Ben Gordon. And now it's Benedict Matherin. Looks like he might be the Ben Gordon in this draft. Uh that team has been fun too. Offensively they're 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 a fun team to watch. They move the ball well with Halburn at the helm. They're they're a good team. And uh, they were not expected to be a good team, and it's been a surprise. I thought they'd be in, in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes, and they've been far from it. Speaking of rookies, who's been the best rookie this season? I I think most people have, have thought it's a two-man race between ben- Benedict Matherin and Paolo Bencaro, and I don't think it's fairly it's close. Bencaro, it's Bencaro far away. He's like he's putting up like l- rookie LeBron numbers. Is he? And yes. he's playing, he's starting. Yeah, he's missed a couple games with the Magic. but uh, And they've been terrible, though. Yeah, but they've also been missing their, their starting center for most of the season, which makes uh, Ben Caro or Admiral Schofield, who's been like, pretty much a G-leaguer for the most of his uh, career, play center in, in the wake of Wendell Carter Jr.'s. They've had a lot of injuries. Fultz has barely played this season. Wendell Carter's barely, barely... Now, Fultz, he's turned his career down around a little bit. Kind of, yeah. He's, he's like solid now. Uh, Jalen Suggs has missed time. Uh, Jonathan Isaac hasn't played a game since the Obama administration. Like these guys, like there's a lot of guys on this team that, that aren't playing basketball. And if they're they're the worst team in the NBA right now, record wise. But if these guys start playing, I think they're actually going to be a pretty solid team. There's two teams I want to talk about before we move on. Okay, um, the Lakers and the Nets. The yeah. Nets have had a lot of drama this season, whether it was Steve Nash, whether it was sure. Kevin Durant, whether it was Kyrie Irving, or whether it was Ben Simmons. But they've seemed to at least turn their season around now. Led by KD, who's been exceptional yet again. He's been an MVP candidate. Are the Nets legit contenders? <sighs> no. 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 I think there's only two legitimate contenders out of the East right now. 
right Celtics now. Celtics in the Bucks. Celtics in the Bucks. I don't think every other team's had shakiness to them. The 76ers are starting to come to their own, but again, they still look they're, they're a few steps behind. They've had a lot of injuries. The Nets have had their drama. The, uh, ben Simmons has missed some time, and he hasn't looked like himself up until a little bit like himself recently. Kyrie's been <laughs> away from the team because of his whole. Does drama. Ben Simmons ever get back to his old self? So, what made Ben Simmons a great player? Uh, well, he, you know, he was one or of the a best. Good player, I should say. I th- was he I ever a great player? It depends what your definition is of a great player. It's very like you know, there's no defined turning point as to what makes someone good versus great. I thought he was very good. You know, he was an All NBA guy. He was second in, in uh, Defensive Player of the Year voting, All All Defensive First Team. Well, I think two time All Star. You know, people are underrating. He's becoming one of the more underrated players in recent history now because he had that whole Hawk series and missed all of last year and he started this year out slow the drama getting traded all that stuff so now people it, it, it's recency bias but he was a very good player and what made him very good defensively he was fantastic one of the best ball hawks in the NBA and he turned that defense into one of the best transition scorers in the NBA as a downhill guy you know the guy's 6'10 but he moves like a small guard he, and he, one of the better playmakers in the NBA he it was a weird fit with him in Philly with uh with Joel Embiid because both guys were were in the paint type scores and it's a weird fit for him in Brooklyn right now because they ask him to play center and the guy cannot protect the rim like a center so ideally if you throw I mean this is, you could say this about a lot of teams but if you throw a guy like Miles Turner on that team a great rim protector who spaces the floor he would you would see how it opens up his game a lot but um, they don't have that right now with Nick Claxton he's in space the floor so there's clunkiness on offense with the two on the floor at the same time and if you take Claxton off the floor then defensively that team looks lost they can't rebound the ball for anything Man, they, this is why they say you're a good NBA guy. Who's they? This is what they, just people, the murmurs are. All right, one quickly. We could go all day on this, but we are restricted on time. But we will obviously figure out how to make this podcast bigger and better every week. My favorite motto in life is Rome wasn't built in a day. But last question, I want to talk about the Lakers because I, I'm a Lakers guy. I'm a LeBron. Why? I'm a LeBron guy. Okay, that's fair. I'm, I don't. I'm not a Lakers guy. I always loved LeBron growing up, and then I kind of hated him, and then he got into the whole social media crap. And as he's I, a little I, annoying. Kind of annoying, he's a little he, annoying. He, he, but you know, at the he's... end of the day, I still enjoy watching LeBron James play. Of basketball. course, I mean he, he's and the Lakers were awful for. The first three weeks to see what they were, I three mean, and 12, something like that? I don't want to say awful, but LeBron has not been very good in this LeBron season LeBron has either. not been very the good. The team has been exceptionally better when he's off the floor. Better. Better. Why do you think that is? Is LeBron James's career, it has to be going down. Listen, I, be- I, I came into the season, uh, I got some flack for it too, and I didn't really know why, but I said there was... Uh, no argument at all that LeBron James is going to be a top five player in the league coming into this season. And top five now, I don't think you can make an argument that he's top 15 so far this season. Again, it's LeBron James. You never want to count him out until all the all the uh, the nickels and dimes have been counted up. But it's so far this season, he's looked uh, not like himself offensively. You know, he's not shooting the ball very well, turning, turning the ball over a lot. The offense looks shaky with him on the floor. The defense looks even worse with him on the floor. It's, it, it's just a team... It's not constructed well. The Lakers, for the last, since they won that championship in 2020, every single year, three years now, they've not been constructed to win games. They've not been constructed around their two pinnacle stars, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And I'm saying Anthony Davis' name first now because he has been the best player on the Lakers by a long shot. So right now, if the season ended today, who would you have making the finals? And this is how we Oof. will end our basketball talk today. Jeez, it's hard. It's so hard in the West, right? Because... Uh, I thought the two teams that were going to – my conference finals prediction uh, for this year were – The Nuggets the, and the Clippers, and the, right? The Clippers – listen, the Clippers are actually doing fine. Like, they're above 500 with Kawhi and Paul George barely playing. But Paul George, man, I, I need a, like a second to talk about this guy. Dude, he's played like four games, averaging like six, 16 points per game. He like he, – he just you haven't seen him at all. 
And this is concerning. Like you so want George get, or Kawhi? Kawhi. He, he just says George. Oh my bad. Paul, Paul George has been actually pretty good. He's he's been taking a step back a little bit, especially defensively. He's not the player he once was defensively. Offensively, he's fine, but. Man, it's, it's the Kawhi stuff is scaring me. Like, we've gotten to a point where it's like this is an actual concern. You know, we know from past years that Kawhi Leonard is one of the best basketball players ever. You know, top thirty or so best basketball players ever. But you cannot go throughout your season without your star player playing at all. And when he plays in very limited time, uh, we haven't seen we, again. We've barely seen him. He's played like five games this year so far. That's a very concerning. So the Clippers, I have to take them completely out of the question. I think the Suns. Up until their last game when they got absolutely thrashed by the Celtics when the first came back, ironically, with Chris Paul. They've been the best team in the West. But right now, you know who's number one in the Western Conference standings? And I think maybe the best team in the West so far that's looked the best? I don't know. New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans. I mean, they look good. They look good, good. They're not making it out. I think they, they're not experienced, but sometimes the teams that don't have, like, do you know which team also wasn't very experienced that made it far? The 2013 Warriors, and two years later, they won a damn championship. So you could have a, a team like that, that kind of, you know, they never had, a, they've never even made the playoffs, really, with this team. So they have no playoff experience, but this team is damn good. Now, with CJ, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson, and Zion is a monster. I mean, this guy is all-NBA level player already. Uh, just a absolute beast. If they if they kind of, I think they need to replace Valanciunas. He's been looking a little shaky so far, especially his uh, mix with Zion. They've not looked good together. They get a center in there. They 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 make some tweaks there, and they have a lot of pieces they could trade. They're very young. Uh, maybe not this year, but this is a team that could contend in the West right now. I <laughs> is this a hot take? I don't think there's any actual contenders in the West. Nothing. I don't think I don't see any team in the West like legitimately winning a championship this season. I think it's between two teams so far, the Bucks and the Celtics. All right, and there it is. And you took up all our time now, so that almost wraps up our episode. But before we do um, officially wrap it up, I want to get into some fantasy talk now. You've gotten into some fantasy football this oh, season, yeah. right? I'm hooked. You're hooked? It's, it's really? It's are my, you? It's my first No, season. you're just lying to me. No, I, I really, like, it's Tuesday I start making my lineups. Nice. I'm, I start checking. I see all the league matchups. Because right now I'm in, I'm in a predicament where uh, I have to win. Or uh, I have to win this this week to make the playoffs, and it's like actually stressing me out. Perfect. So this is where I come in. Yeah. This is I'm the fantasy guy here at the station. You're allegedly. the basketball guy. Allegedly, see stuff like that. That's what I the should, people say. I should escort you out of here for that. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end that you can find on waivers that you should consider picking up. So let's start with quarterback. For anybody, there's six teams on. First of all. Roger Goodell is just, I, I could go on and on about how stupid he is, but there's like six <laughs> teams on a bye this week. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's weird. It's unbelievable. I don't like that. Week week the, why are there buys in week 14? But nevertheless, there are teams out there that are straight. Lamar Jackson is out. There's six teams on a bye. So, like, Justin Fields, you're not starting, obviously. Tom Brady, you're not starting for San Fran. So, quarterback is difficult this week. One guy, he's my top streamer of the week. He's 40% owned. It's Jared Goff. And he's probably not available if you're in a competitive league. But if he is and you need quarterback help, I'm starting Jared Goff. He is 17.6 points versus Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving. 21 points versus Jacksonville. That's 19 points per game. That's a QB1 for you. That adds up. Lions are favorited against the Vikings. I know. Favorites, which I know. is stunning. Over-under is 53 and a half. It's going to be a high-scoring game. That's what it And is. the Vikings rank 25th against quarterbacks. I love targeting quarterbacks in high projected scoring games. So this is the highest projection score of the week. Yeah. The Lions are the favorite. I like Jared Goff if he's available to stream. If he's not available, I got another guy here. And, and this is a risky one. Tyler Huntley and the Ravens. Ooh. He's gonna be a lot, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a name that a lot of people want to stream. He had four starts last year when Lamar Jackson got hurt. He finished as a QB one. 
against the Packers. I don't know if you remember that game late in the season, but it was week 15. He had a QB1 finish. That's the upside with Tyler Huntley. That's what you're looking for here. Outside of that 35-point explosion against the Packers, 15 points, 12 points, and 9 points. So he, I don't want to say he busted 75% of the weeks, but 75% of the weeks he did not turn quarterback one numbers. He's a risky start this week. I've gotten a lot of questions on him. I'm iffy on him. Steelers are 24th versus quarterback this week, this year, but they have held quarterbacks to 11 points or less in three of four games. Andy Dalton, Matt Ryan, and Marcus Mariota. Nothing nothing crazy there. Yeah. Anybody holds those guys under 11 points. Joe Burrow at 26. So I'm iffy on that. Caveat here is the over-under is 36-and-a-half. Slow. I do not like targeting quarterbacks in low-projected scoring games. Tyler Huntley, to me, is a very, very risky start this week. If I'm that desperate, I'm willing to st- I'm willing to start him over like a Daniel Jones. I'm willing to start him over like a Mike White. I'm willing to start him over like a Mac Jones. I need to know who else is available. But Tyler Huntley for me is more of a fade this yeah. week. Those are my quarterbacks. I like the Jared Goff pick. Jared Goff's gonna smash. I know we don't have much time left. We have to wrap it up. I'm gonna go really quick here. A running back that I, I'm gonna have to cut out my tight ends. A running back that needs to be picked up is Travis Homer. Seattle Seahawks running back available, 98% of leagues. Kenneth Walker was hurt Sunday. He was all wrapped up on the sideline. He never returned to the game. He has not practiced all week. DJ Dallas has not practiced all week. That leaves Travis Homer as the last man standing on the Seattle offense. They play the Carolina Panthers, who rank 24th against running backs. When Kenneth Walker has been off the field, Travis Homer has played 65% of the backup snaps. So he is the backup running back for the Seattle Seahawks. He's going to play in early downs. Travis Homer, if you need a running back, start Travis Homer this week against the Carolina Panthers. And if he's not available and you need another deep dart throw, Tony Jones Jr. will get about 5 to 10 touches. If he falls in the end zone, he can hit as a running back too. That's my running back this week. And my favorite streamer wide receiver this week, available in 65% of the leagues. I love this start. DJ Chark. I got him on my team. There it is. Start DJ Chark this week. Last week, he played 84% of the snaps. He turned it into 98 yards and six targets. The prior week, he only had 16 yards, but he had 73% snap share and five targets. He's on the field. That's what we want to see. Yeah. A. He's been the down-the-field player for the Lions. His A dot over the last two weeks is 17. That means his average depth of target is 17. So he's just playing the deep ball. Minnesota has faced the fifth most deep balls this season, and they have allowed the third most... Deep passing yards this season. This is the DJ Chark week. The only thing you need to consider is Jameson Williams. I have him on my team, too. He played eight snaps last week. If Jameson Williams plays 50 snaps this week, then DJ Chark's going to be the biggest loser. I don't see Jameson Williams playing a big amount of snaps this week. I think they will continue to slowly work him in. I think DJ Chark once again plays in that 75 to 85% of the snap range. He's playing as the deep threat for the Lions. He's on the field. It's a high-projected scoring game, as I just said. DJ Chark is a smash this week. I'm taking all his props. Okay. And I'm starting him in fantasy this week. All right. That's and I like that that Lions receiving core looking forward to the it future. Lions are an interesting team to watch, and they're somehow favorites. I wish we had more time, but that's all the time we have today. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Friday. See you.